Hello, everyone. This is Sean A. Barksdale of the 10 Minutes of Truth podcast, and we are here in a collaboration with the League of Women Voters with Candy Bradshaw. How are you doing, Candy? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. We have two esteemed guests on today. Uh, I will start with Liz White of Upvote VA. How are you doing, Liz? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, great to meet you. I, I'm very excited, <laughs> very excited. Uh, let me introduce Liz, please. Liz White joined One Virginia 2021 in 2015 and was instrumental in the growth and development of Virginia's redistricting reform movement, including leading the presence at the polls program, which sent hundreds of volunteers to polling places during elections to educate voters. In 2020, she was promoted to executive director of the One Virginia 2021 Foundation the voter education wing of the organization. In 2021, she became executive director of the entire organization and orchestrated the relaunch into Upvote Virginia. Liz has a BA from the College of William and Mary and comes from a background in the arts. She lives in Chesterfield with her husband and two kids. Beautiful. And for Mr. Charles Gates, I will let none other than Candy introduce you, sir. Got a drum line over here for this guy. Got ready going. <laughs> Charles S. Gates is a high energy award winning, no nonsense speaker, presentation coach, MC, and author. He is a former Marine with 30 years at corporate as a corporate trainer. He helps business leaders bottle their messages in 15 words or less and delivers with power and poise. His goal is to create better workplace present presenters one word at a time. Charles is a passion. Charles is passionate, excuse me, about inspiring and equipping individuals to become the best presenters they can be. His interactive talks and workshops are designed to change your thought process, enjoyable, easy to implement strategies that he uses. His success is determined by your willingness to say, I can do that. Okay, I love it. He has spoken at Dollar Tree Capital One National Storytelling Network, American Association of Government Accountants, the American Society of Military Con Comptrollers, and the Help Desk Institute, as a few there. He is a frequent guest on podcasts, television, and radio shows, and his book, Bring the Zing, Five yes. Keys for Powerful Presentation, Briefings, and Meetings, is available on Amazon Kindle. Get that book, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Charles has always been active in the in the community, and currently he serves as the second VP at in coordinate C three. We call it C three where we're from, but community coordinating um, committee chair of the York James City County Williamsburg NAACP in Williamsburg, Virginia. He is an inaugural member of the Williamsburg Citizen Advisory Committee, the FBI Roundtable, and is a past district director and region advisor with Toastmasters International. He is married to the beautiful Leilana, and they have four beautiful children, Tanya, Tiffany, Chris, and Zeke, a German Shepherd puppy. Say hello to Mr. Charles. I need you to write Let's my bio. Right, right, right. I was right. up. I was like, I can't mess this man's stuff up. Not him. <laughs> Wonderful. This is wonderful. I am extremely excited. I know everyone is excited. Our audience will definitely be excited. 
Liz, I want to I want to start with you because when I started to do my research, I was very impressed because I had no uh, prior knowledge of uh, rank um, choice voting. I didn't know anything about it. So let's start with you. What's your drive? Where do you get your drive from? That's a great question. I think uh, all of us probably watch the news, look around at politics on every level, right? Local all the way up to federal and go, this is not working. Something is very, very wrong. We are in continually unprecedented times. Um, and it's starting in, we, we saw a huge influx in our volunteer base in like 2016, 2017, when a lot of people went, wow, something's wrong. I think we need to address the actual structures of our government. Mm. So many of the problems we're seeing, they're not bugs, they're features. They are built into the way our democracy is set up. So even just fairly small changes like ranked choice voting can go a long way to changing the built-in incentive structures, to changing what kind of behavior gets rewarded, what kind of behavior gets punished, and genuinely motivate our representatives to actually work on the problems that face us all in our daily lives, rather than just continue to kick the can down the road with sound bites and with fundraising emails, which they are mm. incentivized to do. Hmm. But I do, I believe these nerdy academic changes can really make such a huge difference all the way down to people's everyday lives. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. Mr. Gates, I've, I've, had, I've had Mr. Gates on here. I've, I've heard him on confessions from the voting vote uh, from the voting booth from the League of Women Voters. Powerful speaker, brother. Uh, passion. Where do you get your drive from? Very simple. Other people. Mm. There's so many issues in the world, such as Liz pointed to earlier, where only a few people are willing to actively engage we mm -hmm. talk about it we complain about it we stick our lips and poke our lips about about it mm, this should be better but what are you doing about it mm -hmm. and too many times we'd ask that question what are you doing about the situation that you're so upset about nothing well what are you going to do about it well i'm too busy or you get a thousand and one excuses so my, my passion comes from those who are unwilling to do what's necessary to make changes. Mm. Absolutely. I absolutely agree um, with what I've heard from you two. This is going to be good. Oh, this is going to be excellent. This is going to be really good. I, like, I'm just going to sit here and just nod my head. <laughs> Pardon me. I heard Candy, we, we, we did a very powerful episode earlier where Candy was kind of introducing herself because most of the time when you are in the position that we're in you just you're doing a lot of talking a lot of listening and people really don't get to know you the person uh one of the things that I, I got to know about her and her passion and drive is she talked about uh the doer and the filler which was Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr and you know unbeknownstly she took on both of those positions right where she's a doer and a filler because as we know she's very passionate you know when when she speaks and whatnot right so i think getting this information out and, and with this group of people because i'm look as i'm looking at you i'm like how am i gonna get this on cnn this is a cnn look i was like <laughs> 
<laughs> Definitely. So let us really dive in because I have so many questions for you guys. RCV, right? Ranked choice voting. Had never heard of it in my life. Explain to us what ranked choice voting is, Liz. Sure. So ranked choice voting is a tool, right? There's a lot of different ways to apply it, but basically it's a, a tool to allow voters to have a more thorough um, way to express their preferences about the candidates. The usual way it's used is also referred to instant runoff voting, and that's what we see in electing one person at a time, right? A delegate or a senator or a congressperson. And all it means is that as a voter, you go into the voting booth, and instead of just saying, I want Joe Smith, you get to say, I want Joe Smith. If he doesn't win, I could deal with Jane Doe. And if she doesn't win, this is my third choice. You get to really express all of the candidates that you would support. So then we count up all the votes. And our goal is to have somebody cross that majority threshold. So many times we get crowded fields of candidates and someone wins with 25% of the vote, which we'll get into, I assume, but like that's not a good way to represent a, an electorate. So we're, our aim is 50% plus one. So we count up all the votes. If somebody has more than half of the first choice votes, we're done. You don't even need ranked choice voting. Everybody goes home early. But if nobody has hit that threshold yet, we eliminate the person who got the fewest first choice votes. And then we count it all again. And if you if you initially cast your vote for that person who was eliminated, now your vote's gonna count for your second choice. So you got to vote your heart. You get to still be in the conversation, even though maybe you preferred a, a more long shot candidate. And eventually you get a consensus. You get a, a person that has support from the majority of the electorate. And that person has to build consensus and that person has to talk to people outside their base. And I mean, I could go on forever about the benefits of it, but that's kind of the structure about how that works. Hmm. A lot of our, could you say it's something I want you to go back to? You said instant runoff. What mm -hmm. is that? What is that? So I think the most prominent example we all see right now is like in Georgia, every time there's a Senate election, every time Senator Warnock wins an election, he's got to go back and win it again six weeks later, right? So Georgia has a rule, as do a lot of Southern states, um, that a candidate has to get a majority of votes. They, they don't, they can't just win because they have the most, a plurality. So just because you got the most votes doesn't mean you win. So in Georgia, they take the top two vote getters and everyone has to come back six weeks later. They got to reprint ballots. They got to get the, the candidates have to continue to campaign. It's expensive. It is, you see a major drop off in voter participation, but people show up and now someone's got to get a majority because there's only two. Ranked choice voting does that all in one day. You show up, you vote one time, one piece of paper, and you get the same level of participation as you would with a runoff, but because mm. it's done all at once, it's an instant runoff. For our audience, I, I, you, my particular audience, I'm pretty sure League of Women Voters audience, some people, I don't know the percentage, will be turning 18 years old this year, and they will be voting for the first time. Or like myself, the first time I voted, I was 42 years old. I regained my restoration of rights. And I was very scared going into going into that voting booth. From start of when you go to the polls to when you walk out, explain to us that a, for, for a person, ranked 
choice voting? What does it look like? Do you put one, two on a piece of paper? How does it work? Great question. Um, it's every ballot's a little bit different, but it's usually just you have all of the candidate names along the left side of the of the ballot, like you would for any election. And instead of just filling in one oval next to one name, you've got columns. And depending on the ballot, sometimes you get three choices, sometimes you get six choices, sometimes you get ten choices. But you get to say, okay, here, column one, I'm going to put a little oval here. Column two, I'm going to fill this little oval here. And you keep going as far as you want. I do hear some people who go, well, I, what if I don't like any more candidates? You know, now I'm being forced to vote for someone I don't like. No, you're not. You don't have to vote for anybody you don't support. You don't have to rank. You don't even have to participate in that election, right? If you don't like any of the candidates for office, no one's looking over your shoulder, making sure you're voting. So you get to fill in as many as you want as many candidates as you would want to give your vote to in whatever form. So yes, you go down column one, fill in a bubble, go down column two, fill in a bubble, go down column three, fill in a bubble. Data shows this is, I mean, luckily it's a pretty new conversation in Virginia, but this is not a new system in the US or in the world. And data shows that voters are pretty good at filling this out, that it is intuitive, that our brains know how to rank things. Um, and I will also put the caveat in that voter education is absolutely a crucial piece of this. Anytime you're changing anything, you don't want voters to be surprised in the ballot box, like at the ballot box. You want them to be prepared. You want them to know what that ballot's going to look like. You want your county or city election officials to be well-versed so that they can be of help. Um, Arlington County just ran the first state-run ranked choice voting election in Virginia. And they, I think their uh, registrar's team did a really, really good job. If you are a voter who somehow didn't, you missed it, right? Whatever voter education efforts we did, we missed you. And you show up and you're looking at this ballot and you're going, ooh, this is different. You can ask for help. Mm. If you accidentally vote for two people in your second column, you put your paper in the reader, it's going to beep. They're going to get you a new piece of paper and answer any questions you have. There are a lot of safeguards built in to make sure that what's supposed to give you more voice isn't actually going to end up taking your voice away. Thank you so much, uh, because I needed to know that for myself, especially when I go out into the public and give this information out, and as we disseminate it out. Mr. Gates, for an individual that has an extensive military background, you understand what rank means coming in. And so how important is rank choice voting to be adapted in Virginia? How important is it? From a person well, like, Liz, rank? Like, like Liz says, it's all about education. I think one of the challenges we have with the the political system as a whole in this country is a lack of education. Even though the information is out there, it's out there in droves, but it depends on how you get your information. Is it going to be spun? Is it going to be is it going to be biased one way or another? And regardless of where you get that information from, chances are it's going to lean one way or another. Hmm. So we really have to be, for example, I watch MSNBC. I'm just telling you from a TV standpoint, right. I watch MSNBC and CNN primarily. Those are my primary TV choices. Now, there's other choices that I, that I get my information from. But I also watch Fox News. Hmm. And I watch that just to understand the perspective from those that may not think like me or may not think like the people within my circle of influence. So the answer to your question, and, and again, military, we understand wholeheartedly what rank is 
But we as citizens, we also have to adapt that philosophy to understand that this is my first choice. And if my first choice is not going to get to where I want them to be, I have to make an intelligent decision to rank my second, third, and so on. And if we don't do that, we end up getting what we have currently. I mean, we don't, we've got chaos at the federal, state, and the local level in some jurisdictions. So the key and the answer to your question, Sean, to put it in a nutshell, is we must get educated and not just from one source. Because if you get it from one source, chances are you're not going to get all the different perspectives that we should have. Thank you. One of the things that I heard was your sources of information, how you get your sources of information, Mr. Gates. And what I heard was bipartisanship because you say, okay, whatever your your particular party may be that you uh, associate yourself with, you say, I watch, uh, you know, MSNBC, but I also watch Fox News, right? So bipartisanship is saying, okay, let me see what the other side of the table is saying, how they're thinking. Do you feel that RCV is bipartisanship, the way that the, the voting structure is. They're saying, uh, this is my first choice, but this this next choice, I'm still voting my values because it seems like RCV is about voting your values and not just about a particular party. Is that what y'all believe? I think that's really well said, voting your values. Yeah. Um, I, I want to also piggyback on something Charles said earlier. When we, we do have to rethink how we cast our votes um, with ranked choice voting. And, and I think some of, some of that's a cultural shift, right? It's not gonna happen right away. We are gonna get more used to just thinking of voting as ranking. Um, but I think one of the beautiful things that ranked choice voting does is lets us off the hook as voters. We don't have to be pundits. Mm. We don't have to think, wow, this person really speaks to me and my values and my community and they they get me but they're not gonna win. So I'm gonna not waste my vote mm. on this person. So go ahead, vote for that person. Maybe you and six other people are voting for that person, but you get to vote your values and still get to be in the conversation. You didn't go, it's not a protest vote. It's not a message vote. Um, you truly get to be heard. And people looking at those election returns go, oh, that did resonate with people. That message that we thought didn't really get any traction actually did resonate with people because you got to honestly respond to to the messages, to the values. And I think I think voting your values is such a crux of this. Mm. If there are two or three candidates who all kind of speak to your speak to your heart, speak to your needs, you can rank one, two, three. And probably if even if your third choice gets elected, if you're voting on those values, okay. You're going to feel taken care of. You're going to feel heard. You're going to feel represented um, more than you would if you just had a binary choice of this person or no one. Mm. And, and sure, let me say this too: from an from an information standpoint, from a local and state perspective, sometimes we have to go to these events. We have to physically get in our cars, drive, and meet the. You can meet these people. Correct. You can meet them. They can make their little speeches or whatever they're going to do. But we afterwards, we can sit and talk to them. The days of the fact that my family's always been Democrat, so I have to vote the Democratic ticket, or my family's always been Republican and I'm obligated to vote Republican, those days are long gone. They should be. 
we should be voting for the person that speaks to, as we're talking about, our personal values. Who's going to best represent me, what I believe in, to uplift ultimately my community as a whole, not just my neighborhood, but my community as a whole. We've got to get out there, meet these people, and give them some tough questions. Mm. Don't give them the softball questions. What are you going to do for this issue if you get elected? And force them to give you an answer. Don't let them wiggle out like they do on the morning talk shows, ask a mm. question and they answer in a different context. But put, put their backs to the wall to make them answer the questions. And then let them know that, look, I'm a voice in my community. We'll be watching you if mm. you happen. To, we're going to watch you through the campaign cycle. And we're going to watch you as you if you happen to get elected we're going to watch you and ultimately we're going to hold you accountable for to do what you said you would do now are they going to be able to, to accomplish everything probably not but the most important issues for example if they said that if they run on gun rights i'm going to run on gun rights i'm going to run on gun rights and then they get elected and six months down the line the word g-u-n hasn't come out of their mouth they mm. were selling us wolf tickets so mm. now it's our responsibility to hold them accountable in the next election cycle to say, you know what? You said you were going to do this, but you didn't do anything for it. So you know what? Now it's our responsibility to get you out. Mm. But I was, I was let, me, let me just say this last thing. In, in order to get them out, that's one thing. But who are we going to replace them with? Mm. So from an education standpoint, we have to get out in our communities and find these young people, I would just say the younger people, and groom them to live a life of public service. Because we know if you get elected, I don't care if you get elected the president of your, of your senior class, people are going to come to you asking for favors. Mm. So you have mm. to be coached in order to have thick enough skin to say, you know what? I'm elected here to do a job. I'm not elected here to do you favors. Hmm. And we've got to find those people, make them rethink their thought process to say, you know what? I want to live a life of public service, but I want to do it the right way. Love it. You know, Liz, when we did our episode um, with the League of Women Voters, I remember that the key word that we used was honest voting. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And that's pretty much what Mr. Charles is saying right there is, you know, these people, they come into office and they could mean well from their hearts and I want to do this and I want to do that. And that's great. But then when you start getting sorts of attention from people and then things change, you know, because then you're like, well, if I think this way, then I'm not going to get elected. So let me just follow everyone else. Right. And then the whole mudslinging thing that was mentioned as well. And then I remember I asked you and I asked Mr. Neese, I was like, do you think the world can actually handle honest voting? What do you guys think? God, I think we have to. Um, I, I think that we as voters are exhausted. I think we're exhausted mm. by trying to pretend that we know what our neighbors are gonna vote for, that we know what other people, I think we're exhausted with the punditry, but I think we're just exhausted by the choices in front of us, how many people talk about, well, I got to vote the lesser of two evils, or I, okay, I guess I'm voting for this person because of the letter after their name, or because they're so much better than that person. Um, I heard a really great quote the other day, um, ranked choice voting doesn't always change who wins an election, but it does change who runs. And I think this goes, Charles, to your point about if we, if we hold people accountable, which we have to, 
and we get them out, who do we replace them with? And there are so many voices that are traditionally kept out of the conversation, right? People who, uh, people of color, women, younger voters, renters. I mean, the list goes on and on about the people who aren't traditional candidates and ranked choice voting helps lower the, the threshold to entry. And you can have 10 people in a race and you, then that means 10 perspectives, 10 backgrounds, 10 brains on these issues. And no one's gonna be told, there's no gatekeeping. No one's gonna be told, well, you're stealing so-and-so's votes, you gotta get out. Or we already have a candidate like you, you gotta get out. And we see that in the presidential primaries all the time. You know, if, if we're gonna have consensus, somebody's gotta drop out. Well, no one should have to drop out. They should all be allowed to make their case because they're probably resonating with somebody. They're probably speaking to an issue that is otherwise ignored. Um, and so you get to have honest um, honest voting, but also honest running for office. Just get in there, be part of the conversation. You're not, with ranked choice voting, you're not hurting anybody, you're not stealing anybody's votes, and you are giving the electorate an honest choice. And I would also say that it also the advantage of ranked choice voting is let's say you have five, six people run. They don't get elected. Mm. They gain the practice of what it may take to do it better the next time. So we're yeah. almost like greasing the wheel, re almost recycling these new people to say, hmm, you know what? I ran last time and I wasn't successful. But these are the lessons that I learned. And now for many folks, they may get the bug to say, you know what? I'm going to try this again and again and again and again and again. And each time they that. get better and better and better, better at it. And not only get better at it, they're starting to gain momentum with the future constituents to say, you know what? This person here in a few years, they're going to be right on point, but they're not quite there yet. But let's keep our eye on them for, for future runnings. Right. So we it's, talk it's about a, a win-win situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a win-win situation all the way around. And Candy, you touched really briefly on the um, the negative campaigning piece of this. One of one of my favorite things about ranked choice voting is it does disincentivize negative campaigning because you don't want to alienate your opponent's voters. You want to be their second choice. That's yeah. how you're going to cross that threshold. And it is especially important again for non-traditional candidates. Women and people of color running for office experience a disproportionate level of vitriol, right? And it's it's more intense. There's more of it. I mean, just qualitatively and quantitatively, it is worse to run for office as a woman or a person of color or or someone young. Or I mean, all these categories we named, it's harder. So to remove that barrier and make it a more welcoming space for other voices and other perspectives I mean, that's that's huge. Who wants to run for office if you're just going to be threatened and attacked? And ugh, I mean, OK, yeah. uh, you're going to go, I guess I'll find a different way to help. But those are the people we need. So to remove that obstacle, I really is such a I, I don't know, such an uh, it's it feels like a warm and fuzzy benefit, but it really is tangible. It really mm -hmm. does welcome new voices into the conversation. I think we said like it's like a case study for the future, you know, yeah. like literally it pretty much is. And I think it would be really great to have um, if 
you know, because we all want honesty. And that's where accountability, Mr. Charles, is huge. That's why me and Mr. Charles vibe like this, because we're huge when it comes to accountability. You know what I mean? You have to hold these people accountable. Like, Mr. Charles, talk a little bit more about that. Like, how we as, like, the people can do that. Well, again, it comes down to educating ourselves. We have to educate ourselves and once we do, we have to start galvanizing. For mm. example, there is a situation in one of the counties near us where some of the school board members are spewing this utter craziness out of their mouth. I'll just give you an example mm. what, of, of what I'm talking about. One of the school board members, newly elected, by the way, said that how do you know the slaves weren't happy? Mm. How can we go back and interview them? They're not alive anymore. So how do we really know? The fact is we don't. That type of thinking is permeating some of our elected officials. Now, if a person thinks that way and they're representing our children, what type of policies and procedures do you think they're going to put in place or perhaps run away from? So therefore, in order to, that person's mindset is not going to change. They're there. But now it comes to us as citizens to hold that accountable. We have one of two choices. We can either say, well, you know what? This person's already elected. I know they're going to make some bad choices for my kids. And I'll just have to deal with it. Or I can do something about it. I can galvanize, put this information out there because it is a public record. Put it out there. Let people know what's going on and those who are willing to join in the fight, we have to start galvanizing them to say, look, there's a school board meeting next Monday at 7 o'clock. We need to be there. Don't just watch it on local access TV. We need to be there. And those with influence and are articulate enough, we need to be speaking in those forums and let them know that we will be holding you accountable every single day Mm. until we get you out and until we do that and i think sometimes we don't do that because people are hesitant of the repercussions that may come Mm. and i understand if you have a certain position with your if you're employed by certain entities you may not be able to put yourself on the front lines that's understandable but that doesn't mean you have to sit back and take it There's all types of things you can do in the background without your name ever being known to those who are pushing this agenda forward. So we've got to get out. We've got to galvanize. And we have to do it not just on social media because those are faceless voices. We have to be in these chambers. And look, the media is always hungry for stories. What's going on in our area is a story worth telling. The media, if they... Some of them know about it, but they're not really focusing on it. But it's up to us to let them know that, look, we're going to have 100 people at the school board meeting. We're in a chamber that only holds 25 people. Media, we want you to be there. So when they get there and we're flowing out of the hallways of the chamber into the streets down the stairs, that's a call that will force a call to action by those and we do it not only once because the media is there we've got to do it over and over and over and we have to be there we have to speak on it we can't mince our words and we we've got to stop tippy-toeing around these issues and confront them 
headstrong. In other words, we got to punch people in the mouth figuratively <laughs> before they get it. <laughs> yeah, figuratively <laughs> before they get it. And we, have to, and we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent. Yes. And Charles, you do such a good job of putting blood and passion behind the idea of voter education, right? Like it all goes back to that. It's letting exactly. people know that there are school board meetings. They are on this day. They are at this time. Right. You are allowed to speak. Here are talking points. And I love your point about if you don't want to be the face, if you can't afford to be the face for whatever reason, go watch someone's kids so they can go be the face. Go mm. give someone a ride. Go. There are so many ways to plug in and they are all so valuable. Like it has to be a team. It has to be a coalition. Thank you right. for that. I that was wonderful. Wow. It's wow. taking back our rights as yes. citizens yeah. is what it is. It's it's literally looking at, you know, the whole constitution when it says we the people, it's actually us being the people mm. going out there and doing what is right. So, but yeah. Candy, here, here's the challenge though. Here's the challenge. That particular school board, the person who was making these comments, they campaigned on that. Yeah. But yet they were still able to get elected. So what does that tell us? Mm. We're missing. That tell us that the people are not keeping their ear to the ground because there's enough people now. Now people are up in arms. What? I don't believe this stuff. Look, this person has been spewing this stuff for years prior to the election. But now that they're elected, now it comes to the forefront. So what is the lesson learned here? We have to be more diligent to follow these people before they get into these positions of power. Because now this person's there. They can they can write legislation. They can they can change things. It's to the point now where the superintendent of that particular school district and this particular person, they have to have a lawyer sitting in between them for them to converse with each other in a meeting. That's how contentious it has become because the superintendent is now fearful of his or her job hmm. because of the actions of not just one person on the school board. It's multiples who are all spewing the same craziness because, look, let's be honest, let's get real. People are uneducated mm -hmm. and therefore they are allowed to get away with these, I don't want to call them crimes, but they get away with, they get away with murder. Mm. because we're not educated because sure. we're too busy get mm. over it we have to start priority look, th 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 so let me say this Liz there's a saying out there that I live by <laughs> what is it I just forgot what, <laughs> what, what no if it's <laughs> if it's important enough to you you'll find a way if not <laughs> if it's important enough to you you'll find a way if not you'll find an excuse sure. is it important enough to you to get these people to stop them from getting to the position where they can do serious damage mm -hmm. to our entire communities. We've got to start reprioritizing our values. And it goes back to the, to the structure too, right? To the system. Who got to vote for that person? Was hmm. it a teeny tiny primary? I mean, Congressman Bob Good in his first primary got 1500 votes. And that was 60% of the electorate. And he's in Congress now. Mm. 1,500 people shouldn't choose a congressperson. So it's who got to vote for them because maybe they were the majority of that group, but they're, they can't, right? These extreme ideas, they're not the majority of us. They're not the majority of our communities. And 
so changing who gets to vote, who gets access to that ballot, who, what, how competitive is this district? There's so many structural factors that it directly trickles down to who's picking what books my kids get to read and who's teaching how mm. we're going to learn about happy slaves. I mean, like it so directly impacts our lives, even though it seems academic and removed. What you saying about numbers, because I want for myself, first and foremost, to be able to understand the numbers and saying 1600 people put a person in this position, right? And it's tens of thousand people. How the question I have is explain how a candidate wins with only 20 percent and how ranked choice voting eliminates that. Sure. Um, there was a, a city council race in uh, one of our cities um, a few years ago, and it was it was a special election. It was just a crowded field. It was like eight people who, to their credit, stepped up and said, I can make my community better. And somebody won with 27% of the vote. Now, she is probably an excellent city council person. It has nothing to do with her as a candidate, as a person, as an elected official. But that structure, this, the system we currently have, just said, oh, you got the most, you win. So, 20, so all we know is that 73% of voters wanted somebody else. 73% is a lot for someone else. Ranked choice voting gives us more information. So maybe this same city councilwoman still wins that race. A lot of times that happens. If you win the first ballot, you just keep, if you've done your job and you've built this coalition and appealed to lots of voters, you're just gonna keep picking up support every time someone drops out. That's pretty typical. But what we, what we prevent with ranked choice voting is if that 27% is it, if that's your base, if that's your ceiling, we have a safeguard to keep you out. If those 73% of voters don't want you, it's not that you would be second or third, they don't want you, you can't get elected. You mm. have to be able to cross that majority line. And sometimes it takes only a couple rounds, right? Somebody drops out, a whole lot of votes go to somebody else. Sometimes it's pretty quick. Sometimes it's eight or nine ballots before the electorate kind of settles on somebody, but ultimately you did get your voice heard. That person has support from more voters than not. And oh, it wow. just means that you can't sneak in with a really limited appeal. You can't be someone who won a primary with a narrow base of these extreme views. You have to have views that are mainstream enough to, I mean, I think a really recent tangible example is in 2021, the Republican Party of Virginia used ranked choice voting to nominate their statewide candidates, all three of them. And part of the reason they did it was because there were some pretty extreme candidates in the mix. And they went, well, one, that's that's not who we want representing our party, especially in a general election. They can't win general elections. And we would very much like to be in office, please. So they they opted for ranked choice voting because they knew that there would have to be a consensus. And maybe Glenn Youngkin wasn't everybody's first choice, but everyone was like kind of okay with it. So let's go. And then they elected a more generally appealing candidate for the general election, which obviously worked out well for them. Um, but you you just can't sneak through it. Is a it it is a gatekeeper against polarizing candidates. And that doesn't always mean your political views. You can be pretty conservative or pretty progressive. And that's that's fine. You can still build a consensus. You just have to be appealing to your electorate. You can't be a polarizing person. You don't want to be the person who's going to get there and try to burn it all down. 
You want someone who's going to get there and work for your constituency. Mm, absolutely. Mr. Gates, you are extremely passionate about education. This whole conversation, of course, very educational. Last time I had you on, you educated us on, especially on the state level. There were a hundred delegate seats up for grabs, correct? How important is RCV in in that type of election and for those type of seats? Hmm. Well, as Liz said, it, it, it levels the playing field. It allows more people to get in, regardless of the level of elections you're speaking of. It allows more people to get in. And even from even from their perspective, they're able to get educated through that process because mm. everyone's not going to get in, but it's an education process for them as well. And let's let's get real. Some of them know they're not going to win, but mm. they get in with the with the understanding that if I get in here, I'm committed. And when I commit myself to go through this process, even though there's a good chance I may not come out on top, I'm going to learn so much from this process. So it doesn't matter what the level of election is. The ranked choice voting is 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 an education piece can be used as an education piece for for any and us as well even yes. us not running for election because we're able to learn from it and most importantly it may spark a fire in us to say you know what this may be an opportunity for me to jump mm -hmm. in and once you do who knows what could happen you may get that bug that said you know what this is my calling. So I think it really levels the playing field and it makes it less intimidating as well because running for an office can be intimidating. Attack ads and all of that money, everything that comes along with it, it can be intimidating and it can be extremely daunting and unfortunately discouraging to many people who would otherwise be really good choices but because of all of the negative connotations that's associated with it and we see it every day on tv you watch even your local news you hear about all of that craziness going on and we may say to ourselves do i really want to be a part of that type of chaos mm. i mean even the judges now nationwide are are hiring security because of all the negativity surrounding particular trials and, and these type of things. So we've got a real challenge on our hands. And I think the RCV is another vehicle to allow people to look at it from a different lens and say, you know what? I may be able to make a difference at a higher level through this choice. Mm. Thank you for that, Mr. Charles. Uh, you're, you're very big on um, empowerment, economic empowerment in the black community. I want you all to chime in on this. RCV eliminates voter splitting. I want to talk about that. Um, it will allow people to vote their hearts. That's something we were also talking about earlier. Liz, I want you to start to explain first how two black candidates and RCV in, incentivizing not to engage in negative campaigning. Sure. Um there's a, a national group called Fair Vote that's been working on this issue for like 30 plus years. And they put out a big report a couple years ago where they just examined every ranked choice voting election in like modern American history and ju just crunched numbers and tried to determine or you know, uh, articulate the impact on candidates of color and voters of color. And 
I thought one of the most striking takeaways from that report is if you have more than one candidate of color, and especially if you have more than one black candidate in a race, their chance, the chances that a black candidate will get elected actually go up, mm. which sounds like that should be how it works, right? You have two black candidates, they should have twice the chance of winning. But we know that often we hear the phrase here, they're gonna split the black vote. We should mm. only have one of them because they're gonna split the vote. And that applies you know, to different demographics, but most pronounced it was in, the, in this data was if you had one black candidate in a race, a black candidate won, it was like 34% of the time, I think. And this is every election everywhere. Hmm. In, in the US, if you had two or more black candidates, the chance of electing a black representative went up to 68%, it doubled, which it should, right? It, so ranked choice voting kind of fixed the math because hmm. you don't split. If that community, if it is important to that electorate to have a black candidate, to have a woman candidate, to have a progressive candidate, whatever it is, if it's important to that community to elect a certain kind of candidate, the votes will coalesce on one of them. It will not be split by them and hand a victory to someone who isn't going to represent the community in that way. Hmm. So it I means get in here, right? As many candidates as want to be in this race. It goes back to just lowering the threshold and eliminating the gatekeeping. Once again, Mr. Charles, the education, that type of education is what we want to get to the all of course, the entire population, but especially the black population that needs to understand, needs to drill down on that because we understand it, it, the way we brought this about, about being negative in a campaign, mudslinging in a campaign and things of that nature. We want to re-incentivize, once again, a different thought process with campaigning and saying hey, it's about the people like Candy was saying earlier and bringing back the constitutional values of what campaigning and what it is for the people that's why you know i have become very attracted to rcv and the, and the process of that uh mr charles with with that being said and where you stand in the community how important is that th that conversation in the black community and getting it out to them i think it needs to be part of every conversation we have there's, especially as the warmer months come on there's mm. gonna be more events indoor outdoor there can be events every weekend at least and sometimes multiple throughout the week whenever we are and when i say we i mean anyone not just me and the nacp but anyone who is educated on this issue they don't have to be completely educated they don't have to be a scholar they don't have to be a liz white <laughs> but they but if you have so, enough education to speak on it with hmm. some type of authority Every time we, even if it's not associated with politics, if you happen to be in an education, a civil rights, whatever it may be, I'm going to be Bowl on part. a, yeah, Super Bowl part. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Wherever there is a group of people together that are willing to engage in this type of conversation, put it in there. We Find a way to weave it in our conversation, especially when we're on panels and we're in formats, formats like this or or we're in a large group setting and we have a mic in our hand, I think it is incumbent upon ourselves to just, you don't have to go make a deep dive into it, but just sprinkle the seeds to say, 
RCV, are you aware of it? You're going to have some people in the audience say, hmm, I never heard of that. What is that all about? And so they can do their own research at their own leisure and perhaps mm. even come up with some brochures and some flyers. And we come up with these places. And when we go to these places, put them on the tables. We yes. know there's always tables with information on it. <laughs> it and it doesn't have to be in depth. It just, have to, it just has to tap the surface of educating and say, hey, listen, this is something you may want to pay attention to. And, look, and, let, and let me say this, and we all know this. Every neighborhood that's out there there are one or two people who are the go-to people in that neighborhood. That this are. If there's a shooting in that neighborhood at two o'clock in the morning, that person's gonna know about it. Hey, hey, go get go get Miss Go get Miss Jones. That person is the influencer or one of those in the neighborhoods. We have to start physically going to these neighborhoods, finding those people of influence to galvanize others because I can't go in certain neighborhoods. Candy can't go. We can't go in certain neighborhoods and say, listen, this is an issue you need to pay attention to. Well, you're not from, we don't know you. But hmm. if you find someone that's from that neighborhood, it's like going to a, a, a new church if you want to speak. You can't just go up to the pastor and say, I want to speak on this issue on Sunday. Who are you? Hmm. But if you have someone else that's already has a relationship with that community or with that particular faith-based place and you ask ask that person to ask on your behalf your chances of you getting what you need and want are much better so every time we get somewhere where we can sound that horn we need to be blowing it from the mountaintops and too many times unfortunately we get our egos get in the way mm. well i'm only here to talk about this so I, i'm not going to color outside the lines no we need to start coloring outside the lines mm. every day every chance we get but making sure that we're given the right information because if we're not too knowledgeable on it we don't want to we don't want to give them a bunch of false facts just give them enough so they can do their own research and look the information is out there it's up to them to find it we can direct them towards it but ultimately it's up to them to educate themselves um. I love RCV because I know, like, Mike dropped. Yeah, I love you, Mr. Charles. Um, he's just a great mentor. Like, listening right. to Mr. Char Mr. Charles would be the Malcolm X that I was speaking about earlier. He's Absolutely. the doer, you Absolutely. know. So I just I love listening to him. I love RCV, Liz, because it to me, and I said this in our episode. You know, black people do not feel like their votes count. We have been told your vote doesn't count. It doesn't matter if you vote. And, and that's a mind, that's a psychological thing, you know? And so if you feel like your voice doesn't matter and you feel like what it is that you truly want, you know, your community to be represented by does not matter. Why would I waste my time? Right. Sure. But this is basically like RCV is putting back in place. Your vote matters. Your choice of who you want matters, you know, and to educate the black community on this. It's huge. And Mr. Charles, to go back to you, accountability and mindset are the two main things that matter the most when it comes to anything in life. But specifically for this, it matters. Huge. Like it just it matters because it holds one, the people who we are putting in place to be accountable, but it also holds ourselves accountable. Because are we really educating ourselves? That's the key to it. Accountability is the key to it all. But everyone, it's easier to point a finger than to take in, you know, what you're not doing. You can complain all day, but what are you doing? 
Mm. to literally change what is happening. You don't, I mean, a group of people is great, but all you need is like that mindset of, I want to help people and I want to help community and I want to help myself. Like that's what it's about. So putting you two together was perfect. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to touch something you just said, Candy, uh, from a personal standpoint, and it brings this together with education. I lost my right to vote before I gained the right to vote. Um, I was just featured in an article in the USA Today last weekend. And the first few sentences, the journalist asked me a question about voting. And I said, at that age of 17 years old, I felt like my vote didn't count because I was angry that I lost the right to vote before I had gained it. And also I was very uneducated. So I said, my vote doesn't count. It was only after I became educated on due process, on the the right to vote that I began to understand what voting is and how powerful it is and being educated. So all of these components have, have tied in. I want to speak about another piece and component of education. There is so much data that RCV benefits the African-American community and everybody at large. What is group fair? What is the group fair vote? Uh, Fair votes, a national organization. They're nonpartisan. Um, They were founded like 32, 33 years ago. They've been on this since way before it was cool. Um, But they do a lot of research and a lot of data collection and thus then a lot of education on ranked choice voting and a couple other issues like um, open primaries and mm. things like that. But, but uh, ranked choice voting is their primary issue. But yeah, they're a nonpartisan research and education organization. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So why is it in Virginia, why is RCV only on the local level? Why is it on the yeah. local level? Oh, great question. Um, so the only the Republican Party, as I said, has been using ranked choice voting a lot. They nominated four congressional candidates in 2022 Mm. using ranked choice voting, nominated a current um, House of Delegates member, but that's because they tend to use closed primaries, right? They tend to use caucuses or conventions. And because those are not state run, they can do whatever they want. So if they want to use ranked choice voting, they can. The only current law on the books in Virginia was passed in 2020 almost entirely along party lines by the Democrats saying that a locality, and it's a pilot program, right? They were kind of like, let's try it out. Um, And it says that cities and counties can opt in to use ranked choice voting to elect their city council members or their county board of supervisors members. So that's just the pilot program that's on the books. Arlington is the only locality so far that has adopted it and run a state run ranked choice voting election which was great, right? It took it from hypothetical to, okay, let's figure out how all the nuts and bolts of running an election work with this added element. Um, There are a bunch of other localities who are looking into this, who are figuring out if it's right for them and how to apply it. Um, There are also two bills in the General Assembly right now that just came over from the Senate. One would expand that option for localities. It would loop in towns. So if you're a town with a town council and a mayor, you would be allowed to opt in as well, but it would um, extend the option to any local or constitutional office, which just gives localities. 
my AirPod died, uh, they can figure out how it works for them. Um, and then the other one is like the opposite end of the spectrum. It's um, a bill that would allow the political parties to use ranked choice voting in their presidential primaries. Mm. And we've already started voting this cycle. This would not be till 2028. But there are so many uh, advantages that would be specific to a presidential race. Mostly, we saw in 2020, everyone, a lot of people took advantage of early voting, absentee voting, drop boxes, vote by mail, all these really wonderful innovations that Virginia had put in place. But that means a lot of us voted, you know, more than a week before election day. And because we're Super Tuesday and because candidates are incentivized to drop out and consolidate a vote, several really prominent candidates dropped out right before Virginia's election day. So if you cast a vote for Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg or Amy Klobuchar, your vote went in the trash. There was just nowhere else for it to go. But with ranked choice voting, if you had gotten to say, well, Kamala Harris is my first choice, Pete Buttigieg is my second choice, Bernie Sanders is my third choice, well, they're just going to go down the list and your vote still gets to count Mm. for whoever your top choice is that's still eligible to receive votes. So your vote gets to count just like you voted in person on election day with all the information. So it was like, it, it, it was 3% of the votes in 2020 in that Democratic primary just didn't count. Wow. So and that actually is a wasted vote, right? Like we talk about a wasted vote. That one truly was. Um, it also is really great for overseas voters, particularly military voters, you can send in your ballot weeks in advance without worrying that your candidate's going to drop out between, you know, the time you mail your ballot and the time it's counted. So those are the two bills in the General Assembly. They're heading over to the House now, and we're hoping that they pass the House and the governor. I hope they do. I hope they do. Do we have the numbers? If you don't have the numbers, can you get those those bill numbers? Oh, oh I have the numbers. <laughs> let me, yeah, please, let me get those numbers, please. SB 270 is the presidential primary bill, and that was patroned by uh, Senator Suhas Supermanium. And SB 428 is that local expansion, which also contains a whole bunch of language to just clear up any confusion on implementation, which is you know, nice for registrars and people who are concerned about election integrity. It's like, here we go. We figured out all the pieces. This is how it's going to work. Um, and that was patroned by Senator Skylar Van Valkenburg. Wow. Hmm. This is a game changer. These two bills get paid. It's a game changer. We all know this. And, and, and as a strategist, of course, Candy, uh, it's our job, you know, with platforms like this, getting getting the message out uh, and whatnot. And as you said, uh, Mr. Gates as well, getting, you know, boots on the ground and really getting into the community with this information and passing this information on. Because, I mean, this is phenomenal. Exactly. And I will also put in a plug. There was one bill that was carried over from the House. Delegate Josh Cole uh, put in a bill that would allow the parties to use ranked choice voting in any primary. I saw that. I, oh, I did see that. That's a I, good I bill. So if you have a crowded House of Delegates race or a or look at these congressional uh, races that are happening now in the 10th and the 7th, these open seats. And there's, I think, 11 Democrats running for Jen Wexton's seat. And there's seven or eight running for Abigail Spanberger's seat. And they're just, someone's going to win with 20% of the vote. And it's just going to be unsatisfying for voters. It's going to be fracturing for the electorate. It's not going to set the Democrats up well for the general election. Mm. So it's 
it's a rare reform that would actually help the parties and the voters. Um, but I, I wish that that was a policy that could pass in time for those elections because I think they'd make a real difference. And Sean, let me say this too. When, when we talk about getting the information out in the, to the communities, we also have to remind ourselves to answer this question. W-I-I-F-M. And we know what that means. What's in it for me? Mm. If we're giving that information out there to listening ears and they don't hear how they can take advantage or how that's going to affect them personally, because we know the world revolves around them. Yes. And we have to keep that in mind. If we don't answer those questions, we're going to be speaking to deaf ears. Wow. So, again, we don't have to have all the information. We don't have to have the, the numbers, the SB 270. We don't need to tell them all of that. That may be a little too deep for them. Right. But we have to be able to tell them that there is legislation out there now that's going to make a difference, but only if we're aware of what's going on and how it affects you. <gasps> it affects me. Oh, yeah, now I'm listening. Mm. Now I'm now you've got let's like that Jin Django movie with with Leonardo DiCaprio. Gentlemen, I was curious, but now you have my attention. So we've got to turn curiosity into attention grabbing by the yes. words that we use when we're addressing these different people in our communities. That's so very well said. Very well said. Y'all should go on tour. I, I mean, I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm in. just saying. Let's make this a thing. Together. Go on <laughs> tour. I love it. The power of collaboration because, you know, 10 Minutes of Truth and of course, the League of Women Voters, we understood and we understand the power of collaboration. This this collaboration right here is, is very powerful because we all come from different walks of life, first mm -hmm. and foremost. But as we said, and and for me, coming from the background, I come from, uh, I lobbied for, um, I forget the number of the bill, but it was for the second look bill, for people to have a second chance. Because I know what a second chance looks like for me and not squandering that that chance. But one of the things that was very profound to me was there was a gentleman sitting beside me when we were at the press conference last year. And this older gentleman, a Caucasian man. And what I found out was that the crime that I had perpetrated, he was the victim of. But we both were on this same bill, right? And spoke the same language of bipartisanship. He said, everybody deserves a second chance. The man that did the wow, crime to awesome. me, right? I was 19 years old, he was 19 years old. He said, I'm 67 now. This individual is still incarcerated. He said, I've lived three different lifespans, right? I've changed three different times, right? Had children, had businesses, X, Y, Z. Same thing here. I say that because collaboration is very, very important especially in politics being able because when i when, when i went through that process of understanding what it takes for a bill to be wrote written to be lobbied on and then go into the pocahontas building and fight for a bill uh, uh, with legislators against legislators and uh, just as mr charles said getting in our community going in those buildings saying hey you can go meet these people and getting the education out of saying, hey, let me meet with you. I understand that you don't particularly favor this bill. Why? What can we do, you know, to understand why you don't, right? And I think that is extremely important, especially with bills like this that can change the landscape and the mindset 
the mindset of how we vote, how we look at the vote, right? It changes the whole trajectory. Like if this really got put in, I don't even want to say if, I really want to say when, when <laughs> it gets put in place, it's going to change the trajectory of voting, period. Because it really is giving people back their voices. And it's believing that you have a voice, mm. you know, and that's that's so important for us as Americans, right? We say freedom of speech, we say this, this, and this, but like to have that that voice, it matters, you know, especially again, when you're told growing up, your vote doesn't count. Mm. Why are you wasting your time? Don't do that. Why would you vote for that? Da, 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 da. And how Mr. Charles said, to be educated on all sides, to see the perspective from each and every party. Don't just go by one party. Like I said to you earlier, Sean, we need the economics and mm -hmm. we need, you know, we need to care about the people. So how can we integrate that into one? This is it, <laughs> you know? So that's my take. I think I'm it would also free our legislators to to be better for us hmm. right to, if we can say you you will be rewarded for talking to someone who disagrees with you you will be rewarded for finding a compromise that solves a problem you will not be penalized for having a nuanced conversation rather than a soundbite you can take a little time away from the fundraising and the vitriol and the making sure the other team doesn't score any wins to actually work for us to fix mm -hmm. the problems that we need fixed because you, I mean, we all have talked about, you know, going to meet these folks, going to meet our elected officials. They're just people. And exactly. most of them are good people. Most of them didn't get in this to make phone calls of asking for money every day. Most of them got in this to make a difference and this would enable them and free them to do that. Mm. Mm hmm. I agree. And we also have to be cognizant of who, who who are the people running for these different offices? What mm. what is their backgrounds? Mm -hmm. And just look at I'm just look at the national news. If you look at the mainstream media and how they interview these different people, many of them are lawyers, former big business owners, big time investors with a net worth of millions of dollars. But then you have the little people that ascend to these ranks. And sometimes they're, because of their backgrounds, working as waitresses and working in, 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 as doormen and, and doing these things and realizing that, you know what, I want to make more of a difference. And to Liz's point, most of the people that get into these elected, official, elected positions at the federal, state, and local levels they get into it because they genuinely want to make a difference for the most part. But now in 2024, we have to be really careful because some of these people get into these elected positions based on the ignorance of their constituents. They know they're not going to vote. They know they're not going to be educated. So therefore, they are able to push their agendas unopposed because the people are not going to do a doggone thing about it. So we so we really have to be diligent to know these people before they get into these different positions. And that's why I'm a big advocate for going to these events and physically talking to these people, 
coming prepared with hardball questions before you even arrive, taking notes during the whatever event it is, taking events there, and and holding their feet to the fire. Mm. I mean, if we don't do that, we're going to continue to get the some of the. I mean, this is the craziest I've ever. I'm 62. This is the craziest I've ever seen our political process in from the federal, state, and even the local level. It is just chaotic. And we've got some people that are, they've always been people out, out in left field. But now, unfortunately, these people are getting elected into offices. Mm. And because they're able to articulate and influence other people with an impactful message, they're getting people to buy into this nonsensical garbage that a lot of these people will spew it. So we really have to be diligent not only to do what we need to do, but to find other people in our communities who are just as fed up as we are, but we don't know about their positions. Uh, My neighbor's fed up, but I don't know it because I don't see them. They don't talk about it. They don't come out. We have to make it our business to find these people to say, look, you've got a you feel the same way I do. Let's go do something about it together because ultimately the team sport concept is what's going to make a difference. True, the voice of one person can make a difference. But one person as opposed to a thousand, it makes all the difference in the world. United we stand, divided we fall. Exactly. And I always... That's great, Candy. Did you make that up? <laughs> I totally just made it up, literally. I'm going to okay. like, put it on you know, social media later. Hashtag. No, I'm just kidding. No, but <laughs> I always found that quote interesting, you know, that that's what literally America stands for. United we stand, but divided we fall. But yet we're held down and we are separated and divided through whatever label they want to use, you know, and they that's what keeps us ignorant. So coming mm-hmm. together, like you're saying, Mr. Charles, that's what America really should be about. But it has never been that way because we're too focused on not liking this and not liking that and hating these people and hating these people and hate, 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 hate. No, voting is such a psychological thing because what happens is fear gets instilled in people. Mm. And when you sit there and you tell people you're going to lose your rights if you vote for this one, this is going to happen to you if you vote for that one. How can you literally psychologically make a like a correct vote whichever side you choose whichever if you are voting out of fear mm. yeah That's well I, me personally uh, of course i'm in the field of educating the returning citizen uh, this is a multi kind of a multi-level conversation y'all chime in as need be where can a person go to become educated enough because A conversation I will have later on today will be about individuals thinking that once they're arrested, that they lose the right to vote. The right to vote is lost upon conviction. So a lot of people in jails can still vote with an absentee ballot. This is very important in in, in that structure and in that world, because with ranked choice voting, especially on the local level, if you're voting for a sheriff, you're voting for a mayor, whoever it is. Where can a person go? As Mr. Charles was saying, don't need all the information, but enough information that they can help organize and go into a facility like that. Where are some places that a person can get educated? 
Well, let me ask you this, Sean. Yes. One of the places where we have to educate are our jails mm -hmm. and our prison systems. Mm -hmm. We have to physically get, look, we know the internet is not, <laughs> you can't just wake up in the morning, send a text message and get information there and just sign it through the internet and say, oh, I'm educated now. We, people like us have to physically get into those 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 facilities, those institutions, if you will, mm -hmm. and we have to educate them as well where they are. And though that's my operative operative phrase here, where mm -hmm. they are, because mm -hmm. we can give them websites, we can give them social media, Facebook posts, we can ask them to join different groups, but until we meet people where they are and speak a language mm -hmm. that they truly understand. And I know I get pushed back on this often because I'm a fan of, let's say, words that are not in the dictionary. Mm -hmm. Some of them start with an F and end with a K. <laughs> Sometimes we have to use that kind of language to get yeah. through right. to it's whoever we're talking. Yeah, it's a tool. It's a tool. Right. I mean, it's not being aggressive, but then again, it is. Whatever it takes, whatever method we have to use to get the message to the people that need to hear it. And I'll just give you an example. Your average gang violence forum. Do you know who's going to be there? No parents of gang members. Mm. No gang members. It's going to be the upstanding citizens of the community. They're going to get educated and nothing's going to happen. That happens across the nation. I've been to a hundred of these Every different time. things. Every time. But the people who need to be there are never there. So therefore, my point is sometimes we have to go to them mm. where they are and speak a language that they truly understand. And like I like to say, don't make them burn brain calories trying to figure out what we're talking about. Make it simple, short, sweet, to the point. And whatever words you have to use, use those words purposely to get your message through. Absolutely. It's going Absolutely. to the root of the cause. That's what it, it's all about with everything, especially in politics, the root of the cause, because they're not going to come to you or to us or anything like that. We in going out into the community. That's how you learn the community. That's how you learn who you're serving, you know, oh, is yeah. doing just that. And then being relatable, not being what you like, the, you know, you think they want you to be. It's being relatable. It's seeing them as a human. It's seeing right. I understand that you are going through something. Hmm. Let me give you some tools on how you can you know advance yourself mentally because it starts mentally first if you can spark someone's curiosity just by how mr charles said words because words are so important words have done so much words have torn down our country it has built our country hmm. you know so it's important to 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 go out and speak to people and to meet them where they are like mr charles said not above them not below them where they are so then they can feel one like a person. And so they can also just, it sparks that, that knowledge. It sparks just, you know, wanting to learn. And may I, and may I say this too? If of we course. only watch the national, if we only watch the national news, okay. We hear about this border situation. I'm, I'm not getting off topic, but I, I'm saying this to make a point. We hear about this border situation every single doggone day. But we never hear about people from El Salvador crossing our borders. Mm. Do we know why? Because the president of El Salvador took that nation from being one of the most crime-ridden nations on the planet to almost zero 
crime. Why don't we hear about stories like that? We hear about all the negative, but we never hear about that. That president of El Salvador has done wonders. Now, the humanitarians of the world, the ACLUs of the world, they may say that, oh, he's too cruel. But you know what? He's making the difference by any means necessary. Now the citizens feel safe. Now they can come out of their homes. They can work without being in fear of being bopped upside the head or being shot or their children being shot in front of them. And I say that to say this. We have to filter the information that we get. We have to be cognizant of where it's coming from. And we cannot believe every word that we either hear or that we read. We have to sometimes put our feet to the ground, put our ears to the ground, talk to people like-minded and otherwise to get, again, different perspectives before we can make intelligent decisions when it comes to electing our officials. Mm. Very well said. Before we close out, ladies and gentlemen, please each, well, we'll start with you, Liz. Uh, talk about what the year of 2024 holds, the rest of this year holds for you and then you, Mr. Charles. Sure. Um, we've talked about the General Assembly. We're at the halfway point. So we are still working to, to get these bills through that would expand options for ranked choice voting, right? All of them just present options. Um, and hopefully we can convince the governor to sign them. Um, the other exciting thing that's happening this month, uh, I've mentioned Arlington a couple times because they have run the only state run ranked choice voting election. They are using it again to um, nominate their county board candidate. Uh, and then they are voting on February 24th on a one-year pilot program. We're going to try it out to use it in their general election for county board. So just kind of this incremental expansion. But it, I think that speaks to the larger point of once we try it, we tend to like it and continue to lay out new ways to use it. Uh, and then the rest of my year will be spent doing this kind of voter education and also trying to uh, get other localities to adopt ranked choice voting for whatever elections they end up being allowed to use it for um, and helping helping them determine how it can be of use to their communities and their citizens. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Now, since I now know Liz White, <laughs> mm. I hope that she and I can collaborate to educate yes. our community here. I don't know where you're out of, Liz, but in, are you out of Hampton Chesterfield? Roads? I'm Chesterfield. Okay. I'm not too far away. Okay. Well, we're in Hampton Roads, and for the most part, if you know, we cover a certain area. We Hampton Roads goes all the way down to Virginia Beach. We need to be educated on this, and so I'm hoping we can collaborate. But my goal throughout the entire year, like it is every year, is to galvanize communities to do the right thing. Hmm. Find those different people who want to live a life of service, teach them, coach them, teach them how to articulate and frame a message that is going to be influential, impactful, and simply going around to different neighborhoods, again, like we said earlier, meeting people where they are. And events like our Juneteenth event, it's going to be a big event. Mm. That is a wonderful platform. And Liz, I need to talk to you about that. I'd like to have you, what do you think, Candy, have one of those speakers to educate us just a few minutes on what this is all about, putting mm. it in layman's terms so people can say, ooh, I didn't know about that. Now I know. 
So that's my goal. Like it is every year, galvanize community and keep getting it on. Beautiful. I love it. And and I'm more and I'm even more excited to hear about this collaboration and you know, people meeting people, people helping people. You know, I I love it. I I definitely love it. Liz, how can people get in touch with you and your organization? Absolutely. Our website is upvoteva.org. Um you can you can contact us through that. You can just email me personally, liz.white at upvoteva.org. Um, if you are excited about these particular bills in the General Assembly, which of course is like our acute focus right now, there's um, we have inf educational info on the General Assembly on our website, just right meeting people where they are. Here's what the General Assembly is. There are 40 senators. There are 100 delegates. Here's the kinds of things they decide. Here's how you can get engaged with them. And there is uh, a, a very prominent button where you can just fill in your information. It will email your representatives, tell them that you support ranked choice voting. Um, but there are lots of ways to engage. So please reach out to me. We're on all the social medias under Upvote VA. Um, probably not all of the social medias. I'm not that cool. But we're on <laughs> Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter. That's um, all you need. And then whatever else no, the kids no, are do on these days. Don't do Twitter. Twitter's gotten dark, dude. Don't do that. <laughs> It's when it's gotten dark. It's gotten dark. So threads, yeah. Threads. So you can't, Candy's going to like tutor me on how to be cool. I got you. You got me. All right. <laughs> Thank goodness. Beautiful. How about you, Mr. Charles? How can people, Mr. Charles Gates, how can people get in touch with you, sir? Well, they can get in touch with the NHCP through yjcwnacp.org. And they can personally get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Ooh. I am at Charles Gates, comma, DTM, Delta Tango Mike. This has been so informative. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot wait to get this information out to everybody. I cannot wait to see this summer. I'm looking for some collaborations uh, coming this summer. I'm definitely, yeah. you know, we'll be following these bills very closely, uh, Liz. Um, it, just wonderful. Thank you guys so much. This is Sean A. Barksdale of 10 Minutes of Truth and Candy Bradshaw of the League of Women Voters. Thank you guys. <laughs>